0: That's right, at Facebook.com slash show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher...
1: And I was like,
0: I'm adjusting myself during our intro because what else does one do? At least I didn't let out a loud ripping fart, Um, which is probably how it looked to Eric on FaceTime. Because if you are fascinated in that, you're listening to TDPS presents Christopher and Eric, where Eric just threw me off my game and our intro is ruined and we should stop. No. And
1: who are you, sir? Who are you looking at me I'm, over I'm face? I'm still time? Eric Shaw Quinn, and this is Christopher
0: <laughs> and Eric. Eric, ooh-hoo. all right, intro complete with a few minor deviations. Right? Yeah, I it was, was the
1: special edition.
0: Uh, a few episodes ago, we had a riveting introductory conversation about our new microphone stands, and uh, they are continuing to work out for those of you in the microphone stand community who have been waiting for, with bated breath for an update. Uh, but they allow me to adjust in my... They actually allow me freedom of movement, which I did not have before because I was bent over trying to talk into the mic. And apparently I was speaking too loudly, as we learned recently, when our sound designer weighed in on our process slash technique.
1: Yeah, just this I, once. Just
0: once. <laughs> well, I'm you know trying to be heard over my... My shy and retiring co-host, Eric Shaw Quinn, who never has anything to say.
1: Everything's a competition.
0: Everything is a competition. Okay. If you have been lured into listening to this episode because of the title, I'll just tell you before we get into it, because we have other little Eric and Chrissy things to talk about. uh, We will be bringing you another installment very shortly of What's Science? Volume 3. That comes after 1 and 2. Um, But first, I want to explain to Eric Shaw Quinn, and it's not time for the theme music. Don't do the theme music yet. Keep Jordan Ampersand in the closet, if that's possible. I texted you. It's a closet with glass doors. I texted you after I had watched the episode that I have been tasked with talking about. And do you remember what I texted you? Fasten your seatbelt or something like buckle up. Strap yourself in. Strap yourself in. Now, it's a rule here that Eric and I do not talk about the episodes before we start to record the podcast because we want to just we want to keep it fresh and real and alive. But I broke that rule and I texted him, and it was a warning. And what I meant was, um, you should probably bind yourself upright to the sofa cushions to keep yourself from going over sideways and
1: falling asleep. <laughs>
0: Midway through the episode that you were going to watch.
1: Well, <laughs> fortunately, was... I have to take notes during these things, uh-huh. so that that gave me something to focus on.
0: Absolutely. And uh, also, in, in terms of our process here, because we know our party people love these glimpses into what's going on behind the microphones, if you will.
1: Absolutely.
0: On a previous episode, I was accused of, um, what's the word we would use? Not frivolity, excess or... Um, perhaps religious fervor on the subject of the poor All I industry. said was
1: brought to you by Godiva truffles.
0: And so, in case this episode starts to slow down and suck, I have brought the one, two, three, four remaining Godiva truffles into my little recording studio here. How many
1: were there originally, Christopher?
0: I'm unable to comment on that at this time. That is and when did you figures, get them,
1: this giant figu-
0: box of truffles? I don't. We don't have those figures prepared for Did you just get the one box? <laughs> it's just got the one box. Here's my favorite thing about the box. So it says Godiva, obviously. But then below, it says Belgium, 1926. But it's italicized. So it's sort of like, Belgium, 1926, picture it. <laughs> A box full of truffles on Chris's counter that doesn't last Hello, longer than two days.
1: Sophia. <laughs> mm. Christopher does his Golden Girls impersonation.
0: Yeah. Well, um... Do you have any bantery things to talk about, or should we just get into the weeds, if you will? Bantery
1: of, things to talk about? Yeah, you are, Did I'm you sorry, make something there, for breakfast or something? Do you something? think there's something about this show that isn't banter? Is there an element <laughs> of the show that is non-banter related? <laughs> My sermon's I mean, about sex work,
0: you know, in the last I, episode.
1: Uh, you know, that sounds not unlike most con- phone conversations that we have, so I'm not <laughs> sure that that's, that that's still moving outside of the... And What Science is really sort of an ironic title. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. clearly
1: we won't have any definitive answers uh, to that question with this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> it really won't. It's more like,
0: what happened to science, I yes. think. yes. Perhaps silence
1: might be a, a better. Are we ready for our I intro, think we're ready for
0: our intro. Brandon Q Jordan Ampersand and
1: go. And now it's time for another edition of
0: What? All right. That is, uh, if you don't, if you aren't familiar with Jordan Ambersand, you're one of the lucky ones. He's a character from the Dinner Party Show, our previous podcast, which you can find all the episodes of at the He's Party Show.com. Retainer.
1: That's all I'm going to say about
0: it. <laughs> He's no longer on our insurance policy. However, we are saving a lot God's of money
1: for enough to pay his retainer.
0: Yes. Okay, so if you are a, a masochist and/or suicidal and you would like to watch the episodes that we are going to discuss today as part of what's science, you are going to have to wait for me well, to flip is- these pages.
1: This is answering a question that I was going to ask you on the air. <laughs> what question is that? Just remind X in the air, remind me after you get done describing your episode, and I will tell you what my question is. <laughs> oh,
0: was. I, want, I was hoping you would go first. I feel like this is really your moment. Oh, you want really me to go moment. first? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I
1: really w- I will go first. Um, okay, let me say the I names will,
0: of the episodes first. Forbidden Mysteries, Ancient Knowledge, and Lost Worlds. That We're going to talk about two episodes I've used that word liberally, of that series. It is streamable on various platforms. If you'd like to watch first, stop now and go watch. However, we do not recommend it and cannot be held responsible for your response. Okay, those right. are all the legal disclaimers out of the way, Eric. Right. Shaw, Quinn, we are take it away. We're not responsible
1: for whatever happens to your car while you're watching these episodes. Right. Okay, so um, if you want to watch beforehand, knock yourself out, but... um. I think you'll probably get a full picture of everything the episodes have to offer just from listening to Christopher and to me, describe them Mm -hmm. um, on today's episode. Mine is what season one, episode two.
0: Oh, you're always yeah. season one, episode episode two two. anomalies
1: on the moon. Okay. I'd like to begin by reading the description. ...of my episode. Um, it's called <laughs> By Anomalies shifting of- blame onto the description. Anomalies, okay. Anomalies on the Moon. This is the description as it reads on uh, the Amazon Prime page. There is a hidden reptilian empire which consists of alien cultures and lost civilizations, comma, Their presence explains many of the myths of God's walking among humans. I think that's actually a commonplace, but whatever. The Mm -hmm. reptoids may have sought out refuge underground after earth underwent climate changes some 12,000 years ago, which I thought was ironic because I thought reptiles were cold blooded. So I thought if it was hot Mm -hmm. out, they would be happier about that. Anyway, um, there are many accounts through history of lizard people and snake like bipedals from Samaria to the Hopi Indians. That's the description. I'd like to open by saying absolutely none of that ever comes up again in this first step in this episode <laughs> that I'm reviewing. There are no reptiles, no, none of these aliens. None of this is ever mentioned again. This is the uh-huh. only time. That's why I wanted to read it now because it's <laughs> never, you will <laughs> never see anything about it ever again um, oh. if you watch the episode. Okay. So, so that, that was tempting. I was like, I felt like I really felt, and I will say when I read that, I was like, well, where are the anomalies on the moon? Mm-hmm. Cause they're not mentioned in the description and the mm-hmm. description isn't mentioned in the episode and the anomalies. Uh, well, it starts out with this sort of what if kind of tone of voice, mm-hmm. right? Like, what if this happens and what if that happens and what if there are aliens and what if there are something out there that we haven't heard about, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like you'd expect for a sort of UFOE kind of, um, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, uh, intro to any of these sort of unsolved mysteries things, because, you know, we might speculate about there being space people, but most people don't speak about them as though there absolutely are. Until, oh, I don't know, two to three minutes into the episode when mm-hmm. they begin with a press release <laughs> um, that was originally presented to the Washington Press Club on March 21st, 1996, um, which explains this is a press release from NASA, um, which explains that man-made structures and objects were discovered on the moon. I'm sorry, what? no. Uh, Yeah, that that's what that's what their press release says. That's what he says. And he then begins speaking about everything else that he talks about as though it is Mm -hmm. fact. Um, The credits for the series lists only two announcers and i assume it's the same credits for the whole series because really the whole show is just one guy talking
0: i have some thoughts about pretty fast yeah Yeah. pretty
1: fast um Mm -hmm. not sure which one he is but the other one sounded like a woman's name so maybe he's he's the guy one but I, i don't know and i didn't write either of them down because i don't know People get jobs announcing stuff, and they're not necessarily responsible for the content. He didn't write it, so I didn't want to smear the guy if he's yeah. having maybe a, 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 <laughs> a respectable it? announcer you, career. You think
0: you're going to do a toothpaste commercial, and they're like, actually, we're going to need you to read 50 minutes of material about man-made structures on the moon. Just go. Bring it. Give it your best shot, Ted.
1: Okay, so following the press release, they then cut to... Like there's a smash. Wait, cut wait, wait. Can I where... ask
0: something? How is the press release presented? Do they just fill the screen with it or what what happened? Oh no.
1: You never see anything that he's talking about on the show <laughs> ever. <laughs> Sorry. It is a series of random images that are just yes. sort of flowing by. There was one thing where he was talking about domes and pyramids where there was a video of a, an Apollo astronaut doing somersaults in weightless space. <laughs> sorry. Okay. So just as a sort of preview of things coming up. Um, right. Okay. So they do the press release. So he reads this press release, which kind of gets pretty informal. Mm-hmm. Um, for a press release because it's kind of more like he's just sort of talking about what's in the press release rather than reading the press release and then there's a smash cut where there's like white noise and static and then we cut to um president trump uh prioritizing a return to the moon signing a presidential order when did that happen and i you know like you know, that's that whole Space Force thing. I think that's been... In the I, I didn't know they gave so. a shit
0: about the moon, though. Like, there's nothing on the moon. What are we going to oh, do yes, on the President moon? Trump okay. has
1: prioritized returning to the moon. Then we smash cut more white static and white Okay. Noise and back to... And the big question is, why haven't we heard about that? Why haven't <laughs> we gone back to the moon? Why haven't we heard about all these man-made structures and objects that were found on the moon? And it's like, yeah, Why haven't we? (laughs) Maybe it's because we don't have any. And then they say, no, that that they've asked this of NASA. And NASA has said that the reason that they haven't revealed all of these amazing discoveries that is their primary business and would have made them the richest, most heavily funded agency in the federal government. But the reason they haven't mentioned these discoveries is that they're not sure that we could handle it. And that they've actually been altering the photos that we've seen to uh, prevent us from seeing uh, Mm. the massive city ruins and Mm. domes and tunnels that are clearly man-made structures and could not be naturally occurring. And while they're saying this, they're showing us pictures um, saying that there's a huge D-shaped wall, which is not in the picture. And then they showed... um, the crater Tycho crater. Wait, wait, um, can I stop you? The,
0: can I stop you for a second? It wouldn't, sure. it wouldn't it be a D shaped structure? Like what, how, how is a single wall D shaped? Like if it made, Well, I wouldn't D- know
1: because they just said it and there was no <laughs> picture of one. So uh, you'll have to contact whoever wrote this shit because I have no idea. There was no evidence for it presented. There was not even a picture of it, even though they were showing a picture. Okay. There yeah. was no D-shaped wall in it. And then they showed the Tycho crater and said that there were structures and a tunnel entrance. Nope. It was just a picture of a crater <laughs> on the moon. Um, then they showed the crater Copernicus and said there was a glowing dome. Now, that's really like a really like you think you would notice that if it was in the picture. But I couldn't see one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then nearby, there's a picture of the castle. They show us a picture from the Apollo, taken by the Apollo astronauts of a structure they call the castle, and then they say that the photos have disappeared, but they're showing us the photo. <laughs> Sorry. That they're saying disappears and it looks like sort of a stalagmite, you know, like Uh-huh. As it's castles sort of like, often do. It's they this they pointy, often look like stalagmites. It's a pointy yeah. rock thing and it's shadows. and so. But they right. say that they're clearly uh, transparent surfaces. Wait, Not sure what, where those what, were. Like what, windows. What
0: is, wait, what, what are mm-hmm. transparent surfaces? I don't windows. Understand. Oh, windows. Oh, okay.
1: There were windows in the castle, but I also um, still, there was no sign of windows, just a big rock with some shadows on it Okay so um then uh they said that uh, the uh, that the folks from Apollo 12 said that the landing was observed by a shining rainbow pyramid um that uh, that they're not uh, I'm not sure what I wrote here hovering um not sure where they just said they were observed they were observed by this shining rainbow pyramid um, the Apollo 12 said that. I surprised you.
0: Wait, I got to stop. The Apollo 12 astronauts have allegedly told people that the landing of their spacecraft on the moon was observed by. How was the pyramid doing the observing? Do they believe there were creatures or, or beings inside the pyramid? They did
1: not say that. They just yes. said that they were observed by shining rainbow pyramids um, hovering. They didn't say where exactly. Okay. They just okay. said hovering. So they could have been hovering in space or um, in the cabin of their landing, mm-hmm. de- uh, the lunar limb, I think it was called yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, And then they said um, in 1969 that um the hovering rainbow pyramids were seen again. But Apollo 12 actually was in 1969, so I'm not sure what that meant exactly, but I'm not sure that these people really know what they mean at all. At all. Um, Edgar Mitchell, who was an astronaut, apparently, I don't remember him, but there were a lot of them. So you only Mm -hmm. really remember the ones like Neil Armstrong. But -hmm. apparently Edgar Mitchell said that they had no choice but to pray because they felt like they were not alone and that his neck was hurting from looking over his shoulder. And I was like, all right, that's an interesting that. This um, this
0: calls for a truffle. Uh, the noises you hear are meeting a truffle. Yeah, okay. okay.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um NASA apparently according to our announcer is panicking because they've discovered cities um and transparent pir- pyramids as well as barefoot footprints on the moon. They're panicking because they've discovered stuff like the reason the moon—I think they stopped landing on the moon—was because it was just this big rock with you Gross. know dust on it, and and didn't really present any mining opportunities and whatever. Right. Um, so then, because you know we we need to move to an authority, they go to a book uh, by George H. Leonard called "Somebody Else Is on the Moon." <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the sequel to Good Night Moon, but they didn't say that. Um, uh. Then they describe that based on um, the the shape of the moon that it isn't possible for the moon to be in orbit even though the moon is orbiting um, Mm -hmm. the planet. So I thought that was really um, interesting. This, then they asserted, I don't know if this is true or not, but if it is true, it may be the only actual fact that they asserted in the entire half hour or however long it lasted episode. Um, And the only interesting thing that anybody ever said that, um, that Earth is the only spot in the solar system where there is a total eclipse because the way the moon is positioned the distance the moon is from the earth makes the moon almost exactly the same size as the sun which is 93 million miles away and the moon is more like 250,000 miles away um but the because of the position of the moon is almost exactly the same size on our horizon mm-hmm. as the sun and so it will actually block out the sun so no other place in the solar system is, or any of the moons, like on Jupiter or Saturn, if you I, could stand I, I, on. I them, almost but you don't
0: want to know how they interpret that fact. What do they think that means?
1: Well, they think that means that the moon must be a satellite, um, because otherwise um, it wouldn't be perfectly round. Um, was their conclusion? Okay. Um, because and then they describe how it's not perfectly round just like satellites. So it can't be a satellite because it is round. And then the fact that it is shaped like a pear is evidence that it is like a It is a satellite because satellites are pear shaped. I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, uh, NASA has helped Leonard apparently, but they wouldn't give him pictures even though they helped him. Um, and they didn't want to say anything, but they wanted them to say the stuff That was because they they didn't want to say it themselves. They wanted him to get this. And
0: this means that they didn't want to say that there are elaborate, clearly human created structures on the moon. Is that the this?
1: Or non naturally occurring structures. Non naturally occurring. Right. They'd sort of back and forth with that. But yeah. Okay. uh, uh, Leonard goes on to say that um, after. Declaring that this is a you know man-made satellite, then says there's evidence of mining because what you'd want to do on a on a satellite is mine for shit. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That doesn't make it. Maybe it's a cleaning up. I actually thought you looks said looks miming,
0: like and I thought, oh, moon mimes. How cool? Yes, mimes on mimes. the moon.
1: I think that makes as much sense as mining. Because, that means the you know, French
0: beat us to the moon.
1: Anyway, hence, hence the footprints in the sand. Um, right. <laughs> uh then uh, they say that that George Leonard who wrote this book it was his only publication ironically um say that he's actually holding stuff back for mysterious reasons and says that a professional astronomers shy away from looking at the moon because they're afraid of observing something <laughs>
0: Sorry. Is that really a thing? Do we have a lot of professional observers who aren't looking at the moon? It's like, no, no, I can't see the moon. Get the moon away from me. Get the moon away. Get it out of my lens.
1: Apparently they're <laughs> avoiding it. And so that most observances of the moon are by amateurs, um, which right. would explain yeah. most of the of scientific course. evidence. Uh, why
0: would we need experts or science? Uh, the scientific experts. Right. Of course. Absolutely. Right. I'm sorry. Then to see they the um,
1: quote somebody randomly named Richard Hoagland saying that speculation is a necessary part of science. I guess justifying this the existence of this series since everything they're saying is uh, speculation. Um, right. NASA knew, but they wanted Leonard to, uh, to break the news. Uh, the Apollo 17 mission, uh, report, uh, actually the scientific report about Apollo 17 actually quoted Machiavelli, which they find as evidence that, um, The moon is an artificial satellite. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait. wait. Machiavelli, like, was he covering the moon landing? Or
1: like, you know, through a time warp? What What he was saying in the quote that they used was that ushering in a new view of something is Mm. never, is never hell... You know, every every lunatic,
0: every lunatic says that. Every lunatic, like it's fine, it's true, and it's it's there. And sometimes you have to have a breakthrough. But everyone who's trying to tell you that the Loch Ness monster is advising the president says people don't want to believe. You know, you have to. We want to believe, but you got to bring us something better than this. Anyway, that was my PSA. They
1: they believe it. Um, they said they've um that uh, amateurs have observed lights on the moon. Mm -hmm. Um flying objects and streets like street grids streets um,
0: what about traffic uh, traffic is the traffic bad on the moon because if it's not uh, okay. they did
1: not mention traffic just street lights okay. um then they talk about um the shard um and uh, uh, something else uh, some other structure that they said w- that were not pictured but that are not natural there. This is, we've now gotten to a place where there's just scrolling pictures of, yes, Flyovers of the moon yeah, and yeah. whatchamacallit. Uh, um, then they quote Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I'm um, sure he's thrilled say, to be in this. Yeah. He's, they said that, uh, he saw two UFOs on the moon. Um, that I actually Mitchell, think
0: I've heard before. I think that may Edgar actually be Mitchell substantiated. Mitchell was
1: on Oprah apparently. Um, but they didn't show any pictures of that or the Oprah clip, um, mm-hmm. saying that not all has been revealed about the trip to the moon. Neil Armstrong said they that he saw two UFOs on the moon. I've heard that before, but I think the sources I've heard it from
0: may be just as crazy as this one. So I'm I'm going to present that advisedly. But uh, you know, like uh, I, listen, I'm not somebody who doesn't believe in UFOs, but. I, th- this show I, just keep going because like we'll get to well, mine they, and the yeah. thing
1: that is really the thing that is challenging is they don't present any sort of evidence or speculation they just yeah. state all of this as though this is a foregone conclusion Absolutely. like they're just reading me a press release okay so then this is the you'll really love this part okay I'm excited so then they say why did they stop going to the moon after Apollo seventeen rather than answering that question they talk about um how um. Ingo Swan, who is the father of RV, which is remote viewing. Yo. Um I uh, decided to uh to start going to the moon through remote viewing. Oh, okay. Um, Ingo of originally saw a ring of rocks around Jupiter, which later turned out to be there. So apparently. Wait, through remote viewing,
0: is, he saw this ring of rocks. He a actually, ring of
1: rocks around Jupiter. And then later when satellites actually got to, or flying objects or whatever, when observers okay. got to Jupiter, there was a ring of rocks around Jupiter. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Based on the accuracy of his predicting that there would be a ring of rocks around Jupiter, Mm -hmm. um, Ingo was brought in by some mysterious organization, somebody named Axelrod, um, to do RV on the moon, Mm -hmm. uh, where he saw tractor treads and an atmosphere. I can't see our atmosphere, but apparently he could see one, which... (laughs) Um, is an interesting aspect of remote viewing that I did not know about. Um, (laughs) and that apparently because they gave him coordinates on the dark side of the moon, which is where all the mystery is, the dark side is very earth-like. Um, he saw 32 story, uh, tall light towers, um, which I would think would be too far away to provide any light to the surface. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe things are different in the atmosphere on the moon. Um, so lights, machinery and saucer like structures, tractors and obelisks. And of course, the ever popular mining, which they keep bringing up even as they're trying to prove that it's a satellite. And I don't know why you would do mining on a satellite. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> The big revelation from the RV, the discovery was that the aliens are psychic.
0: This is a trend. Because I hear this all the time. He, when yeah. he
1: encounters them, when he sees them through remote viewing on the Earth, they become aware that he is observing them. Mm-hmm. And Axelrod calls him back because the they're able to psychically bond with him and he doesn't well, want to get in trouble wait, with the wait, aliens.
0: Wait. Axelrod is like a corporation that controls these remote views? No, viewers? he's a guy.
1: His name is Axelrod. Oh, he's the
0: sort of scientist like who oversees... Axelrod. Irving Irving yeah, Axelrod. He's the one who...
1: He's in charge of the secretive organization that has kind of sort of quasi-kidnapped Ingo and brought him in to do the RV. So then they point out that Neil Armstrong has said that aliens told us not to build on the moon, which is why we didn't go back after 17, because we couldn't do any mining or building there. Um and apparently the CIA is in charge of the cover up. Of course, of course. And we stopped going to the moon because the aliens are living on the dark side. Okay. And that's the big conclusion of the episode that's supposed to be about reptile um aliens and then <clears throat> and this was maybe my favorite part of the show, they had run out of um narration and credits. Uh, but not music. <laughs> um, so <laughs> there's three to five minutes of music with rolling footage of the this kind of, of the surface of the moon and astronauts doing somersaults and the whatchamacallit while they run out the last of the music. Uh-huh. And then that was the thing. But the big takeaway was we stopped going to the moon because the aliens are living on the dark side. Okay. So and they could was, they
0: could be reptilians. I mean, right, that's the implication. They could be reptilian. They aliens. They did
1: not mention that ever once during the whole. And they episode. didn't show any fun
0: stock photography of reptilian alien beings. They didn't did they?
1: show there was uh, there was one picture of sort of what looked like a tall gray. Um, talking to an astronaut and that was i believe the and he's only- like and what you that- want to
0: do is you want to go left at the obelisk but watch out for the mime footprints because they're such a right. pain in the ass so and then there's a gas station but you need to keep going all the way to the dark side and that's where the movie theater is and they should be showing tenant so, yeah. Thank God
1: out. you had a truffle. Yeah. Um, yeah that <laughs> I had really. And, and if there re-druffle. hadn't been note taking, I might have fallen asleep during the episode. So that's um, oh, Anomalies on the Moon. That okay. was that was the takeaway. And I will say that when I first when I first watched this episode, the the, the series, uh, you know, when I pointed it out and suggested that I'll wrap myself out, that we do our what science based on this particular Um, Series, I read a lot of these descriptions and thought, how can I stop at one episode? But given this experience and your take on your experience, I'm thinking uh, that maybe there is no reason to watch any of the other episodes. But now it's time to hear about uh, what was your episode? The Nephilim
0: Watchers Will They Return to Earth? That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Okay, where do I begin? Well, I think it's already become clear. My episode...
1: What,
0: <laughs> what Nephilim. What are Nephilim? I wish I could tell you. I took this episode because in our previous installment of What Science, I took the episode about the legends of giants. And what I can say about that show, we both did an episode of that show, is that people were actually interviewed, some of whom looked relatively unwilling and maybe unsure of what the show was actually about. Um, Giant bones were not discovered. Um, Tombs of giants were also not discovered but there was at least some level of camera work and editing. This is, if it's not already been clear to our party people from your description, basically a guy with some video editing software, a membership to some stock photography and stock film footage websites, putting together whatever the fuck he wants on the topic of whatever the hell he feels like talking about, um, there were text treatments and titles throughout that were illegible, but sort of had the feel of an educational video that you would see, maybe like an introductory safety video or a training video if you were volunteering at some organization that they would make you watch for 15 minutes.
1: Yeah. Well, it was really, I wish we'd had that in my episode.
0: Um, well, I don't know. I, I wouldn't get too excited.
1: Well, it would have been something.
0: The the idea here is that there have been throughout I'm going I'm so OCD. I'm going to give more structure to this episode than it actually had. And part of that is because I sort of drifted off. It was only 30 minutes long. And I don't think I have ever pressed pause to see how much is left as many times as I did during those 30 minutes. Once it became clear that it was just a guy talking at me. And in this, as you noted in your episode... This unbelievable, as if all of this, as if you were just summarizing the history of the Civil War, right? Like all of these completely outrageous, preposterous theories just recited in rapid succession as if they were facts. Um, the Nephilim yeah. are were believed initially to be fallen angels and that the reason they were oversized is because they were, if they were not angels who had fallen to earth, they were... Um, the offspring of angels who had interbred with human beings, and you and I often that's talk. That's my this experience. Is,
1: yeah, they had the there's a Nephilim on the final couple of seasons of Supernatural, so that's why I was wondering. Uh, there are. And it's the child of a woman and Lucifer. Uh, the Watchers,
0: the Fallen ones, the Shiny ones—these are all various terms or translations of various terms that have been used to describe beings of this tri- type throughout various. Uh, mythologies uh, their first appearance according to the voiceover occurs in Sumer um, an early American author whose name I was too disinterested to slow down and actually type into my notes right. believes that their job was to circle the earth watching everything that happened below and very few of them landed but if they did and they, they would abandon their post and be so seduced by the charms and magic of much smaller earth women that they would have no choice but to interbreed with them and to produce hybrid offspring. Uh, Similar to the use of Neil Armstrong in your episode, this episode attempts to use a Cheesy still image of Carl Sagan and a quote in white and red text, which is basically illegible on the screen next to him, to imply that Carl Sagan's interest in the Sumerians might actually imply some sort of endorsement of the absolute lunacy espoused in this episode, which it actually does Uh. not... Carl Sagan was a very famous astronomer who had very little patience or traffic with the paranormal or the unexplained, despite writing fiction about But he never
1: observed the moon in his in his uh yeah, telescope. I'm
0: terrified of looking at the moon because he didn't want to that. see all those mimes, castles, and He Might stations. discover something. The point that Carl Sagan did make about Sumer, which the episode isn't quite sophisticated enough to really follow to its conclusion is that there were very few cultural connections between Sumer and the rest of the world. Specifically, their language was very different. It doesn't have a lot of ties to anything that would be considered Indo-European today. So the implication there is that it was an alien colony, is basically what they're trying to say, that it do, that the, a special race of beings were interacting with the people there. You mean they didn't the just there. say it? Uh, they sort of said it, but by the end of the special, they have introduced so many ridiculous theories for what the Nephilim actually are or could be or what they've done that it kind of got lost in the crowd, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's an enormous effort to document... Every glancing mention of any oversized or large being throughout any religious text on the planet. This is when my eyes started to glaze over. Um, Genesis calls them the sons of gods who fell for earthly women. Uh, some texts simply describe them as giants, but their, their exact height is never stipulated. Uh, the Bible refers to them as evil ones who couldn't control themselves around earth women. The Quran has a similar story in it, but it, quote, without the good versus evil narrative. And I'm not sure if that's the narrator's endorsement of the Quran or his attack on the Quran because everything is so incoherent and messy. Also, it's worth saying we have no idea who the people who wrote this or are narrating this are. It's not like there's some branding to the special where we can be like, oh, well, that's that same guy who wrote that book about whatever. He's just sort of reading this. As you pointed out, it could be just a paid announcer who's reading this completely bonkers script. Um, Well, they didn't
1: write it. Somebody else besides him wrote it. I think somebody named McNamara, even. I? I don't think it was Michelle, but I know, Um no,
0: it was not Michelle <laughs> McNamara. God bless yeah, her. No. There was
1: there was uh yeah, a couple of people either one or two people wrote it and uh, they were not the announcers. Yeah. We looked at the credits. They also had animation listed as a credit, and there was no animation in my episode. Uh, I, the credits
0: made me laugh harder. As I said, this is literally nothing but stock footage. And there was a point in my special where they ran out of, footage. of footage They ran yeah. out of footage and they, they got a friend of theirs to take like a handy cam into some museum where there was Sumerian art. And they just started slowing down his jerky handheld footage of this stuff. So they to fill time. Basically they'd close in yeah. on the ankle or the wrist of a bird being. They <laughs> was like, Oh my God. It drove me insane. Um, A quote that stuck with me was, it's worth noting all the names the Nephilim and Watchers go by. It's not. It's incredibly boring. It fills most of the screen. And again, like all the other title treatments, it's barely legible, and I couldn't see what it was saying. But they rattled them off verbally, so that was nice. So there's basically... A big part of the mythology is that um, God sent a deluge in the form of a flood. We've all heard of it. It's the one Noah managed to kind of surf through on a christened craft. Uh, the flood account pops up in every ancient culture and it's associated heavily with the wrath of God's. Um, and I think basically this is presented as the gods' attempt to either exterminate the giants and the Nephilim or to get rid of the hybrid children or to basically punish all of the fallen ones for having tried to give man knowledge or basically hung out with them and had too good a time, abandoning their post as watchers of the universe and uh, keepers of cosmic law, which is the concept that starts to arrive way late in the special. That the that the ah.
1: basically this never law enforcement
0: yes cosmic law enforcement yes, um, then we start to talk about the Book of Enoch. Have you ever heard of the Book of
1: Enoch? Um, wasn't that who Carrie Snow married in? Um, <laughs> In Carousel, <laughs> I don't think so. E- Enoch Snow. When <laughs> Enoch Snow. I marry Mister Snow, what a day, what a day! Now he's the one who sings geraniums in the winter, hydrangeas on the lawn. You know that
0: one. Yeah, that one. And is I rather I would have rather have heard from him. No, no, no. They were oh, um, the wrong. Enoch. Enoch. Sorry. The Book of Enoch is a book of the Bible that many say was expunged. Because it depicted heaven as being occupied in part by morally questionable beings. And they claim that the Catholic Church... Heaven? Yes. They claim that the Catholic Church wanted heaven to seem really hunky-dory and like a place you really wanted to visit eventually so that you would do what the Catholic Church said. So they got rid of the Book of Enoch. They got rid of everything the Book of Enoch said about angels and the idea that an angel could fall was itself heretical. So... Okay, so then they shift to the Devas, which are what, they are what these beings are allegedly called in Hinduism and Buddhism, which is, I guess, another term for them there is the Shining Ones. So at this point, I mean, the, the, the graphic imagery sequences are getting really strained. They, they have some footage of a little garden angel that it looks like they picked up from Home Depot with some tea candles burning behind her. And then a few minutes later, they just reverse the image to make it look like a different angel, and they start showing that. Uh-huh. Um, clever s- yeah so then we've kind of exhausted most of the angel stuff at this point and i'm having trouble paying attention so then we get into and i bet you know what i'm gonna say have you ever watched the show ancient aliens have you ever heard of the ancient race of colonizing aliens that are supposedly giant and came here from far far away and are the re- have you ever i
1: don't know that i necessarily have i Considered? mean the chariots of the gods kind I of thing i think
0: or? that's close the anunnaki the
1: anunnaki oh yes. oh right that uh, that sounds familiar that name does i didn't know they were giants
0: yes well they were supposedly very tall and lived very long and had aerial transportation in a time when most people were like clinging to rocks to survive did they
1: also observe people going to the bathroom in caves? Is that the Anunnaki, or was that a different? I wouldn't put it past them.
0: No, that, no, those are the, we talked about those the Lemurians, different, different. I think the Lemurians That's are actually it. more contemporary than the Anunnaki.
1: Okay, so I didn't mean to get you off topic. I know no, no, no. that this, you have a, you're building towards a big thesis. I, I'm I'm building towards um,
0: the end of this episode, which is something that we should all be excited about. Uh, they. They claim that the Anunnaki spacecraft appear through um, appear in art throughout history, and to prove this, they close in on an element of a medieval painting that does not look at all like a spacecraft, and then they juxtapose it. They um, juxtapose it, I should say, with a piece of what they describe as Native American art that depicts like a sort of stylized, appropriated Native American headdress and something that's maybe an alien. And I think the term Native American art is being used loosely here because it looks like some white lady painted it and sold it to a gift shop in Wyoming that's nowhere near an actual reservation. But Uh the basic term is tall knowledge givers. That's how the Anunnaki were described consistently throughout history. And you... And me, a tall knowledge giver? Are you calling me a tall? You g- and
1: the Anunnaki are described as tall knowledge givers. You used to teach at Parsons, didn't you? I
0: taught at Otis, thank you. I taught of course at Sorry. Otis, absolutely. And I often give you knowledge when you're confused or misled about something.
1: Tall, tall knowledge giver, absolutely. You're very helpful. And then the narrator, who has- Or sometimes ne- just entertaining.
0: Who has never identified himself. The, nar- the narrator says, and I am quoting- After 40 years of personal research, it's evident that these groups of beings exist. And I'm like, who are you? Why should I put any premium on your personal research? You're talking about, I mean, like, where was this research done? YouTube? Like, what are you talking about? Well, he didn't say it was his
1: research. He just said it was personal research. Personal research
0: implies that it's research conducted by him, possibly without peer review, any sort of scientific or intellectual rigor. I think you may have
1: inferred that, but I don't think that he implied it. He just said after 40 years of personal research, which could be anything.
0: Yes, absolutely. Like
1: it could be personal research. It could be the people from the Trident uh, gum Corporation asking four out of five dentists because that's got to take a long time, maybe forty years, probably not that long, but you know, four out of five Anunnaki would
0: like you to stop calling them fallen angels because they find it offensive in erasing. Yeah, maybe so. Okay, so there. This is the moment in the special where they've run out of the footage or they couldn't afford any more stock photographs, so the handheld camera of the museum stuff starts to happen. They start to close Uh in on all that stuff, and then they decide to do a summary which is like, oh, that's great. And the summary is when the narration really goes nuts. And this was my favorite quote. I was really sort of not looking at the screen anymore when he said this, but, it's, but this was so choice, it drew me back. He says, it's when we come upon the story of the Apkalu that we really become enthralled in the Nephilim Anunnaki saga with reason, cause,
1: and effect. Yeah, you speak for yourself, Miss B. <laughs>
0: That's right. I was like, I'll tell reason, you when I'm in thrall. Cause and effect. Um, and then the next quote for the purpose of posterity, let's recount the names of the seven Apkalu. And at this point I have to admit that like, I don't fucking know who the Apkalu are because it was like 30 seconds where I just drifted off and I am not rewinding this thing. Like I am on a, I am on a March to the end. I am strapped to my sofa cushion so I don't go over sideways um, nah, that makes so much more sense now. But and and so the Anunnaki apparently came from the planet. This is the more the additional information about the Anunnaki actually got my attention again. They came from the planet Nibiru, which I think is also a form of hot oil massage, um, or is that Niru? I don't know. It's different. Or no, Nehru. is. That, I anyway. It's a lot. There are a lot. I'm, I, I was really confused at this point. Um, uh uh-huh. But they believe that this planet is actually Planet Nine which was discovered in 2018. Was there a planet nine discovered
1: in 2018? I think that there is still like looking for, uh, there is, there is another large body near Pluto that I was actually reading an article about recently, but I don't know that I can say definitively. If okay. A planet nine, because there are still like, if there are nine planets currently you have to be counting Pluto, and if if there are not, then if you're not counting Pluto, then we're down to eight again. Okay. So I don't think there's anything been discovered that they've officially and declared. And we we the do not planet.
0: want to weigh into the Pluto controversy because we know what happened to Neil deGrasse Tyson when he tried to yes, decertify Pluto. To... He got death threats from children.
1: I have I have no opinion on it. I'm just saying. Okay. That yeah, I think Pluto was nine until it got sort of maybe made into a dwarf planet, and then now we're back to eight, and I don't think they've declared anything else nine yet. Yes.
0: Okay, so here's where I got lost and sort of never made it back. Okay. The gravitational tides of this planet, the Anunnaki's planet, Nibiru, Neiru, Niru, Nuru, whatever it's called, the gravitational tides caused by their planet's proximity to ours caused the Great Flood that we talked about. The wrath of okay. gods. So it's unclear to me if they if if their planet's tides was going were going to cause a flood on our planet, it seems like they would need to be really close. Now I'm no astronomer and I will go to hell before I take any astronomy lessons from this pile of shit. But I just feel like there's some gaps here that maybe someone has tried to fill in with more detail than is offered by this special. That was mercifully the end of it. And then I got to the title sequence, and almost when I saw there was a lighting person, like, what did they light? They didn't light anything in this. It was all bought images, and
1: it was probably the pictures at the museum.
0: They weren't lit. It was like a guy secretly filming from his jacket. That's how bad it was. Like, there was nothing. There were people in the sides of the image that they would like skirt away from. It was like an Instagram video somebody had posted.
1: That's really, yeah, but, you know, there may have been some guy with, like, you know, his the flashlight on his camera phone going to yeah to, to light up. What that. kind
0: of tax scheme is this? That's what I want to know. Like, we'll just cut and paste every random piece of information about these topics, hope that people download it. We'll give credits the to all these people who didn't work on of it. of
1: employees, the number of people in the credits yeah. is absolutely <laughs> astonishing. Like, I what? was like, my God, it took all of these people? I would think... It would be tough for the three of us to to be fully occupied making <laughs> one of these uh, episodes. Just, this was crazy. Uh, it was really, really very. I love that the that their big takeaway was that somebody else's planet caused the f- tidal pull called caused the flood. That's sort of like. And the reason we didn't go back to the moon is because they are aliens on the dark. Side. Right. Absolutely. It's like, and so we finally have a conclusion. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about for the last 25 minutes. But this is our conclusion based on this scientific, spurious scientific nonsense. And I, so like,
0: I got to say this, and I always say this because you know, this is my thing. I am not a professional skeptic. I'm not about that. I want to believe, but I need you to bring me something. Right. But like, if if the only thing supporting your theory is a bad explanation for why we don't know something that we already clearly know, like that there's nothing on the moon and it's why we didn't go back. If there was any for-profit opportunity on the moon for anyone, we would be on the fucking moon. There would be oil rigs on the moon right now with Halliburton's name on the side of them.
1: That's like, that's my impression, yeah.
0: But, like, there are things that are unexplained. Like, the Phoenix Lights are unexplained. We do not right. have a good explanation for the Phoenix Lights.
1: And that's a fascinating story. Right. So, like, why wouldn't we want something like that? Like, those are the things. But clearly, even if these guys covered the Phoenix Lights, they wouldn't show you the Phoenix Lights, and they would make up all kinds of ridiculous explanations. The thing that was really the most astonishing was, you know, there was no experts. There was nobody but the announcer and the pictures that they showed were just random. They had nothing to do with what they were talking about. So no evidence at any level was being presented. Mm -mm. And I completely don't understand. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, then what is this? What do you, where did all of this come from? What are you talking about? Why are you talking about it? What? Are, it was, you know, it was, what science. <laughs> it was really, it was really, you know, go, wow. Speaking
0: uh, of which, Brandon, you should probably play the Jordan Ampersand outro right now.
1: What science?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jordan Ampersand taking us out on what science. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. And, um, I, you know, in this day, I'm going to get a little political right at the end. In this day and age, we need science. We need scientists. We need actual experts. We need people who are qualified. And there is something about hearing this sort of conspiracy-driven baseless crap that really touches a nerve with me. But at the same time, I, I am thirsty and hungry to be presented with actually compelling evidence of paranormal mysteries.
1: Or even just mysteries, just, you know, like the speculations and the mysteries themselves. There was nothing mysterious presented about this. There was nothing.
0: It was just a mess. It was just a mess.
1: Well, it was just a randomly long. It was like somebody reading a a long script and uh, as fast as they could a little too fast because they ran out of time before they ran out of images. That was really... I thought that was a nice touch. So we're just going to play the music and continue to show images. <laughs> but, it were, but it was the
0: opposite problem on yours for mine. They had too many images um, and, and with me, they ran out midway through and just slowed down the Steadicam footage of the um, statues. They should have
1: used some of ours because we had <laughs> music to... La- and I'm not sure that they were original images because they kept recycling them. Yeah. But, but it was the music. They had paid for that music and By God, they were going to use the whole thirty minutes.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, what's next time, Christopher? Now that we're next time. Well, you know, I forgot to mention something
0: at the top of the episode that's really fun, which is that um, I was recently a guest on the Big Gay Mystery Podcast with host Brad Shreve.
1: Oh, when is that? Uh, That posted? No, I I
0: think it's already posted. I think it posted on December uh, September fifteenth. Excuse me. So December. December. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what day is it at your house? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what month it is. I just know there's a lot of Anunnaki here. Um, so yeah, check out my uh, interview on the Big game Mystery Podcast. And um, True Crime TV Club is back next week. We are uh, once again visiting a series called A Crime to Remember. That was a favorite of ours.
1: I, lo- I really like that series. Uh,
0: if you want to watch ahead, which is never a requirement with True Crime TV Club, the episode is entitled Candyland, and it is season two, episode three, and streamable on various platforms. Until then, I'm Christopher Rice.
1: And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've
0: been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher.
1: And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.